This is the EPLOG audio experience. Quick disclaimer for a podcast, the SOS show, points discussed in this podcast should not be relied upon as conclusive medical advice in any case. The host shall not be a substitute for proper medical professional. You must seek professional help in case of any requirement. Thank you. From running two nightclubs in Miami to becoming a spiritual mentor, Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the SOS show with me Suchita and please help me in welcoming Dr. Jenna, lovingly called as Sister Jenna. Sister Jenna works to bridge divides in societies and build relationships between global influencers. She is the host of the popular America Meditating radio show at americameditating.org and the recipient of the president's Lifetime National Community Service Award. Sister Jenna is also a member of the Evolutionary Leaders Circle and was selected by Empower a Billion Women 2020 as one of the 100 most influential leaders of 2015. Hello Sister Jenna, welcome to our podcast The SOS Show and thank you for joining in and thank you for sharing your wonderful book Meditation. I absolutely loved reading it and I think I'm going to go back to reading it again. <laughs> well, you know, now we really need meditation more than ever. It's not as if 2 years of isolation did any good to us. In some way, <laughs> yeah. it seems like we're more louder than we were before yeah. the pandemic. But Suchita, thank you so much and congratulations to you for doing the kind of service that you're doing with your podcast. It is so needed at this time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful I found the right partners and we could collaborate. So, thank you so much and great to have you. And before I start getting into the serious topic of meditation, which is everyone is talking about it nowadays and everyone says, you know, one needs to meditate. Suddenly it's like it's become the in thing to talk about, which I think is so wonderful. I want to sort of start from your life where you mentioned about running two nightclubs in Miami. and that was like wow <laughs> i just love how everybody loves to hear about my naughty days what is it about people <laughs> it's a journey it's uh, yeah yeah you know what's interesting daddy janki who was the head of the brahma kumari she passed away about 2 years ago mm-hmm. it was daddy janki's vision and absolute ability to see into your future Mm-hmm. that led me into living in an ashram and living in the center. I would have never ever made that decision myself because I would have never thought that I had the capacity to be of that level of service. So mm-hmm. back in the day, which is what we say in America, back in the day, I don't know what they say in India. Mm-hmm. When you talk about your past, um mm-hmm. this was normal. You know, you're growing up in the US, half Indian, half half African, mm-hmm. raised in the US. The way you look at the world is, you know, all hands on deck. The the, the world is your oyster. Mm-hmm. You can go for whatever you want once you put energy and effort in. Mm-hmm. And I guess mine was um I just love people and I love to socialize. and an opportunity came to make the investment i was still young i was just 21 and i was able to make the investment and mm-hmm. our club you know the first club sachita mm-hmm. that i got was called the globe 
It was in South Beach, Miami. Mm-hmm. It was the rocking club, man. Wow. There were people lined up all the at the end of the street. We used to even end up in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. It was such a popular club. Mm-hmm. And then six months later, I opened up another one. But I could sense that even though I was in that environment, I still would just sit and talk to people, like almost like counsel them. Mm-hmm. So I think there was something wired within me to be of service or to help and to counsel folks to feel a little bit better about themselves. So mm-hmm. there was great times. Um, I, I did it for a few years and then I got my call and God called me and I answered and I left that and I moved into another paradigm and I've been doing it for almost 30 years and I'm good. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, everyone talks about this divine intervention, which mm. there are a lot of, lot of anecdotes in the book about, you know, people sharing their own personal stories. It's not easy to share. And more than anything else, it's not even easy to know when does the divine intervention happen. And in your case, Sister Jenna, you mentioned about your experience as a six-year-old at mm-hmm. the laundromat. Laundromat. Yeah, yeah. Would you like to sort of, what happened then? It was so unusual. I mean, I'm so young. Mm. My mother's putting the, the the clothes in the washer or whatever. And I just felt that I was called up somewhere above. Mm. And there were these people sitting in a circle all in white. And they were like checking in on me to see if I was safe, if I was in good hands, if I was okay. And then it's like they left. So I think it's where you might feel like American Indians have ancestor souls, even mm-hmm. in India, mm-hmm. we have our departed souls that we feel are still giving us blessings. Mm-hmm. And in America, we say we have angels watching over us. Mm-hmm. So I felt that there was something that was still protecting me in my journey. And I think a lot of us feel that we have a protection over us if we tune into it. Yes. So at six, I didn't have the language but now I do. But was it was it like just to sort of just to dig a bit deeper there? Was it like a a daydream where our eyes open? What was it, or was it like yes. a gentle my, sleep? Mm. No, my eyes were fully awake. Mm. It was the world behind my eyes had stepped into another dimension of thoughts and vibrations and. It was like I went into a a dream or like I went off into a daydream or I went into a trance. I went into another dimension, which was not in front of me. It wasn't present. So if you were to define it easily, it's like what you said. It's like I went into a dream, Mm. but I was fully awake. And did such experiences happen later in your life? That's a great question. I would mm-hmm. say that there were occurrences that took place, but at the time of growing up and moving fast, sometimes you lose the subtlety of your purity and your innocence as you're growing. Mm-hmm. So when you're younger, and you might hear a lot of children will actually tell you they have imaginary friends or they see things or they feel who's a nice person, who isn't a nice person. And as they grow up, that purity that's innate in the soul is a very subtle mechanism that gauges vibrational frequencies and people and relationships and places. Mm -hmm. 
And as I was growing older, it was getting less and less. But when I became a teenager, um, I could sense things. When my parents got into the Brahma Kumaris, Mm -hmm. I could see that they had made a drastic change energetically, Mm -hmm. let alone their diet changed and all of these things. But I could see in them that there was a glow, that there was an energy that they now had somehow tapped into Sachita and Mm. it was very peaceful and very fragrant. So I think um, I still had the experiences. Mm -hmm. I think they came in different ways though. There were times I would feel the energy of light. I would feel inspired. I would feel larger than life. But then when I looked at where my life was, it didn't match up. Mm -hmm. Tell me, Sister Jenna, when we talk about meditation, when we use the word meditation, and this is one of my favorite topics of discussion because I'm trying to be an Olympic meditator, <laughs> which is like 20,000 plus hours of meditation, which is, I don't know where I'm, I'm at right now, but but I, I hope, you know, you're going to sort of clear my all my sort of doubts which are there in my head. So, Sister Jenna, when we talk about meditation, what do we mean? What do we mean Entering, like like you said, when you were a six-year-old, you ca- you unconsciously entered into a state of being that, you know, that was unfathomable. Is meditation entering that state consciously? Yes, it is. Yeah, let's say that you're in a room. Hmm. A meditator is aware of the importance of the air and the oxygen in the room, even though they can't see it. Does that Lovely. make sense to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you're practicing this very ancient art, you begin to focus on the thought energy that is within you. And you are aware that each of these thoughts are significant and that I cannot take them for granted because if I do, I will start to suffocate as if I don't value it anymore. And when you look at suffocation, I look at the the mentality of algae, which is an acronym that I use. A for anger, L for lust, G for greed, A for attachment, and E for ego. Mm-hmm. And so when we start to suffocate, that consciousness starts to transform our mentality and the way we see ourselves, think about ourselves, and we stop becoming aware of the importance of the thoughts that we think. Mm -hmm. So when you want to become, let's say I want to become a marathon meditator, and I like Mm -hmm. that, by the way, (laughs) is that, you know, I love that. That's Mm -hmm. a a winner right there. (laughs) When you really think about becoming a marathon meditator, you Mm -hmm. are somebody who walks with an awareness Mm -hmm. of your thoughts the intentions in your thoughts, the choices that you make, and a kind of an innate sixth sense of knowing that if I give sorrow somewhere down the line, I'm going to get it. If I take sorrow, it means that I have sorrow in me. Mm -hmm. So when I'm a meditator, I become more in tuned, more sensible in terms of recognizing the answer to everything in life is within in order for me to recognize and understand the purpose of my existence is that I have to be aware of what my thoughts are saying to me. So meditation makes you more aware 
your awareness yeah. quotient goes up your uh, and awareness is directly proportional to consciousness yes 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 you know consciousness is different forms you can be soul aware mm-hmm. which means you believe in the unlimited or you can be body aware which means you believe in only what you see with your five senses what i love about our culture is we're so into our senses mm-hmm. <laughs> the masalas the food the relationships mm-hmm. you know everything about w- what we do it's very much where the soul in the body is saying i love life i love being in life i love food i love smells i love sweets i love beauty i love you know all of these things so it's a blessing for atma to be in the body but when the consciousness in atma changes from being in in soul awareness to body awareness then the stifling happens then the algae starts to increase and then you wonder why am i even here what's the purpose of life if this is the way i'm going to live or if humanity is like that so what makes meditation an important tool mm. is to help individuals to redirect where their thoughts are taking them and bring them back to the original nature of their existence a soul that is peaceful loving pure powerful and happy mm beautiful tell me sister jena when you talk about meditation as a tool when you say that this is something that we can do in our everyday life and since we're talking about mental health here in the mental health awareness podcast how do you think people can use it because you know people what what has come till now in our culture is meditation is not something that everyone can do people laugh when you talk about meditation still a lot of people they say oh, you know one when we retire is when we will start meditate so how is it now that every day every day since our our mental health quotient needs to be taken care of and now we are talking about it how do we use it of as course. a tool well i have to tell you a story about my brother he had come <laughs> over from india a few years mm. ago mm. so innocent so pure so like not knowing anything about america mm. and i'd asked him to get me a tool or a utensil mm. so let's say i'd asked him to get a spatula you know what a spatula mm. is right yes. where you flip mm. eggs or you mm. flip you know mm. patates or whatever so he comes up with this big smile with like a hammer And I was like, why are you bringing a hammer? I don't need this. I need a spatula. And I looked into his eyes and I could see he knew nothing of what I was saying and he didn't have the courage to just ask me, I don't know or say I don't know what a spatula is. Mm-hmm. And so instead he brought me another tool. So the moral of the story is when we look at meditation, I think sometimes we have some different interpretation of what meditation is. There's some of us that believe meditation is an emptying of the mind. I don't believe mm-hmm. that. It's impossible for such a powerful and a beautiful soul to inhabit your five senses, your body, and to empty your mind of all thoughts as if you never existed. Mm-hmm. I think what's the important factor of recognizing the tool of meditation is that it gives you permission to turn inwards behind your eyes and then discern decide which thoughts are beneficial for you and which thoughts are not 
So it gives you the methodology to to sink in or to enjoy a pattern of thinking that is connected to the soul awareness that I spoke to about earlier mm-hmm. versus another awareness that can take you down the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when you use meditation as a tool, you become aware of how to apply meditation, which is connected to how you're mm-hmm. thinking. What understanding and interpretation do you have? Example, let's say mm-hmm. I, I'm a meditator mm-hmm. and I know this as a fact. I, the soul, am mm-hmm. immortal, eternal, and imperishable. I know that as a fact. Mm-hmm. That means I can never die. Yes. I cannot kill my soul, yeah. but I can let my soul be released from my body but my body is not what's carrying the problem. It is the soul that's carrying my issue or my fortune. So for me to recognize that as a meditator, then I am so focused on, I want to stay in the body to see what other chances I can bump into or find or cultivate or create in my life. So I can move away from the algae or the body awareness that makes me feel hopeless. And I can start to get addicted and feel the depth of the beauty of being soul aware. One of the things um, happening here in the USA, a lot of very, very special African-Americans especially have been taking their lives. And it's Mm -hmm. made the country quite perplexed, saying, I don't understand, this person had everything going on. And so the question arises, oh, we wish they had someone to talk to. But again, you know, we're moving into a good era where the stigma of mental, I call it mental opportunity, Suchita. Okay. So um, we're moving into an era where this mental opportunity is upon us, where we can now begin to move our thought pattern, our thought process towards recognizing I am an immortal, eternal, imperishable soul. I am pure and peaceful and powerful. Let the world unfold where it needs to and be what it needs to. But let me appreciate why this soul has entered this body with this family, with these friends, with yeah. this job, and, and, and find a way to live this through. And the fact that your podcast gives mm-hmm. everyone permission to be okay with that. Yeah. Kudos. Congratulations. Keep it up. <laughs> Thank you, Sister Jenna. It's just that when you're talking about, just, just tell me this, when we, uh, do, do you think, do you feel that if we remove science from this, we're just focusing on, focusing on meditation, your book beautifully talks, which I'm going to you know, throw f- uh, a lot of more questions about it. If mm-hmm. we just meditate, Sister Jenna, do you think we're going to take care of a lot of mental illnesses that are out there, which uh, I'm using using the term mental illness. Yeah. 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 Absolutely not. Hmm. Absolutely not. Hmm. Believe in science. Science Hmm. is also trying to help to curtail the chemical imbalances in our brain. Hmm. And that's a part of the journey. But when you are taking your medications in Hmm. your mind, As a meditator, you know one day you will not need it because you will. You must tell yourself this. 
I will step into the courage and the power to shift the pattern of the thinking that is going on in my world behind my eyes. And so I think the combination of science and meditation is a beautiful blend. You know, it's a beautiful combination of helping an individual to move more towards recognizing their mental illness is a mental opportunity. Mm-hmm. When you think of things in life as this is so difficult, we don't even use the word difficult here in America. Mm-hmm. We go, oh, this is such an opportunity. Because when something is difficult for you, be, you begin to have to dig deep to find solutions A person will never learn their lessons if they never feel that they were ever doing anything wrong. So they keep repeating the same pattern, the same negative pattern. But if they're thinking that this this could be my opportunity, there's something here because this is not working out in my life. These are the thoughts that I'm having. They don't feel good. I don't want to take these medicines anymore. Mm. I've got a mental opportunity here. And the mental opportunity is to seek the change, to seek the solution from deep inside. Because who doesn't want an opportunity? We mm. all want opportunities, right? Mm. 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 Yeah, we all want to thrive and grow and be the best that we can be. Yeah. Who doesn't want to be better? Totally. Tell me, Sister Jenna, talking about meditating and connecting to the source, which you have mentioned in the book, uh, how do we know? How does a meditator know that they are a meditating right and they're connecting to the source? I can only tell you from my experience that mm. I don't necessarily trust somebody meditating on their own with just a book and nobody mm. else in, you know, in their lives to, to, to bounce off the experience or to have some sense of consistency or discipline. Mm. In the book, there are many, many stories from people from Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, uh, Judaism, Hinduism, and all of them expressed their experience of a connection with the light. Mm-hmm. One. Mm-hmm. The second thing that was a common thread in the book is how they all felt they could do and be more than what they were as a result of the experience of that light that is big because everyone in the world wants to live more fully than the way that they are. Mm. So that light entering the consciousness begins to move away the blockages of body awareness from their personality and shows and it shows them this um, more unlimited, this more potential the, the potentiality of them, it shows that there's more that they can do and be. Mm. And so when I look at this whole process that we're in, you know, regarding your question, the connection to this from the soul level mm. to God being a spirit, being someone very intimate to you, being um, a deity, being your ultimate to me, it's a no-brainer at this time because we're all feeling so taxed. You know, there's so many demands on our lives. And if we're not being refueled or fed at a deep spiritual level, then we're going to only use what's in our reserve, which is algae. Mm-hmm. 
And if we keep coming through with anger and frustration and and hate and and fear, mm. uh, then that's going to make us more peaceless as a civilization. And if you've got one person peaceless and then another person peaceless and then one billion people peaceless, then five billion people peaceless, you have a society of a lot of peaceless people. It will create a vibration blanketing over the earth. And people who might not be very peaceless will be feeling like they should be peaceless too because they can feel this energy. It's like it's like coming after them and they don't want it. And I think for souls who might be very, very super delicate and sensitive mm -hmm. about life, and they're very sweet people and very, very caring for the earth and for the humanity, I think they sometimes pick up the negative thought vibration that is in the atmosphere. Mm. And sometimes they get very, very depressed and they don't even know why. Depression is a language. You can't find any words to it. You just know, I just feel lifeless. And if we look at it from a spiritual perspective, it could be of many, many lives of issues that are not complete. I left a lot of unfulfilled agendas in my past life. So what does that mean for me now? Because I'm feeling the weight of not feeling happy now. Again, mm -hmm. journal. Even if it's just once a day, write a positive affirmation about yourself. I am a good, powerful, peaceful soul. Even if you write it just once a day, it will break the cycle within the soul where the soul thinks I'm not good enough or what's the purpose? This life is not even meant anything. I love my family, but they can't help me. Mm -hmm. These thoughts will start to get less weight when you interject thoughts. I am good. I'm powerful. I'm a child of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. You yes. start to reduce the energy of that vibration. Mm -hmm. So imagine when you're meditating and you're doing that and you're taking your prescribed medications, and you're trying to find a hobby that is connected mm. to your virtues or your values or your skills in the soul, and you always have one person that you can turn to. Mm. And now we have online programs that we can even turn to if we feel we can't change the thoughts. Yeah. We can get on the phone call and call somebody. We can download an app that helps us to get at least a little bit of a boost. You see what I feel the issue is with our mental opportunity pandemic mm -hmm. is that we don't have a consistent support in breaking the cycle. Mm -hmm. So one day we feel great. I'm okay. Everybody's great. My, I'm happy to be with my family and friends and spouse. Mm -hmm. And then a week later, the impressions that are deeply etched in the soul from my past mm -hmm. comes back like to haunt me and to pull me back. Where do you think you're going? And then the thoughts come back again, where it starts to pull them back into the abyss of that past that's unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. So if there could be a consistent, dedicated um, effort mm. every day, let me see who I am. Let me hear this. Let me work out. Let me paint. Let me draw. Let me put on music. This sounds easy as I'm telling you. Yeah. But the hardest thing yes. about this when you're feeling down is to 
find the anchor of that one thought. So here's what I tell my friends. Mm. You will find that one thought. That's why every day, no matter what your thoughts are telling you in your mind or in your beautiful soul, just be this fisherman looking to catch the big catch of the day where that one thought comes up and says, I got you. Mm, let's go do something. Yeah, let's go do this. Let's let let me go help mom in the kitchen and cook. Well, let me help my wife to just cut up vegetables. Let me do something different. Or the wife can say, you know, let me try some new dance routines. Let me try singing. Let me let me try to enhance my studies. I want to grow. I want to do something different. Mm-hmm. I have a student here, a mm-hmm. beautiful, wonderful, sweet young lady. I've known her for many, many years. And her husband has always, unfortunately, not seen her in a very powerful image. So he coins her as useless, unstable, and not mentally well. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't mean to do it. It's just that he doesn't realize that even having those thoughts about her and on occasions telling her she's like this is actually making her depressed to go deeper into herself, knowing what is wrong with me. If he keeps saying that, that might be me. He might think this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And then I look at her and she walks with her head down. She, you know, her back is hunched over. You know, she's the most brilliant woman you'll ever meet. She's got a master's in arts. She's a beautiful woman. She's talented. She's got common sense. But as far as she's concerned, but he keeps telling me I'm not good and I'm mentally not well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So imagine, I'm just giving you an example, Suchita. Yes. Imagine if she had to leave her body right now, not not by any means of her own. Let's say she made into a car accident. Yeah. She will leave with that feeling so deeply etched in her personality that I'm not good enough. So now, since the soul is immortal, eternal, and imperishable, it now finds new family members, a Mm. new environment. Yeah. And it comes with still the lingering of that impression. So why depression and mental opportunities are so deep that science is trying to find a way to help all of us until science can include spiritual practices when they are prescribing those medicines. Mm. I don't see how we're going to curtail the Mm. increase of mental opportunities on the planet. It's beautiful, specifically in terms of writing the journaling and putting your thought out there and reducing the energy of that vibration. It's beautiful. And and just imagine, but but just imagine if somebody keeps looking at you, and this is important for families Mm. that are listening in on your show today, Mm. or for friends. Yes. When you look at that person, you go, oh, they're not mentally well. I mean, I was raised with a mother that had issues, but at the time when I was young, I couldn't understand the language. So I just thought that's just the way my mother is. But as I matured, I began to realize there's a lot of trauma going on in there and she doesn't know what to do with it. But now that she has even dementia and it's really, really hard. I mean, just this morning alone, we had an issue with her today. Mm -hmm. But inside of me, Suchita, I don't want to see her with dementia. But now I have to find a way to balance out her behavior. And 
what I've done with my recording in my head is to say, and I talked to God and I've spoken to the family here. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I'm going to see her completely cured. She can remember everything. She can be normal. And even when I see something else, let me just accept it for what it is. But I want to see her healthy and mentally well. And when she acts up, I shouldn't get so reactive because it's not matching what I'm visualizing for the soul. A lot of times we get so irritated by our family members who have, you know, unique behaviors because we want them to be better and we feel powerless um, thinking, I don't know what else to do. So what you must tell yourself is I'm going to see them healthy, but I'm going to expect the unexpected. Mm -hmm. Sure. So I'm not feeding that vibration. Oh, they're not mentally well. Oh, I'm so worried about my son. He's already tried to commit suicide twice. Oh, I don't know what to do. Then maybe you don't talk about it to your family members because you feel ashamed. All the stuff that comes with actually compelling the problem in making it worse. Mm. The soul is playing a part. It has to process the experiences that it's traveling with for many, many births. And even I, everyone, that I know love is the cure. I can still see within myself. I don't always have the love to cure everybody. I have to pull energy from the divine, from God, in order to have the capacity of love. To mm-hmm. give to everyone. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. It's beautiful, Sister Jen. I mean, when you're saying you have to pull energy from God, when you're saying this, uh, for our listeners, do you, should we, speci- is there a specific time uh, to meditate? And is there a specific way to meditate to be able to connect to the source? I think it's important that you first have to look at where you are in your life, your daily routine, mm-hmm. you know, your family values, and just just look around your life for a little bit. And on a piece of paper, mm-hmm. draw a line in the middle of the paper and write on one side your strengths mm-hmm. and all the things that you love. Mm-hmm. And write on the other side your limits or your weaknesses mm-hmm. and things you want to let go of. I think that is a very important thing to start with. Mm -hmm. And you read it over and look at it and let it sink into you. Mm -hmm. Let it sink into you. Mm -hmm. Keep that paper close by, roll it up, put it in a drawer. Mm -hmm. And then the second step of meditation is to, there are certain groups, communities, books, shows like yours Once you tap into it, you will know. Right. You will know, you will know if it's for you because it will be like a flow that lifts you up. Now, it could be something that you stay with for the rest of your life, or it could be something that is basically helping you to get to another stage in your life. But once you're feeling that there's a flow of support, which is very, very subtle, it feels like an inspiration but with the inspiration it is supposed to somehow bring you into action and that action is supposed to connect to either your talent 
your career, your goal, something that is of benefit. It shouldn't be so far out that it doesn't connect to your life because it will create some complication. And the third thing is create community, friends, even when your family and friends come over to your house. Mm. If you know there's a family member that's ha- that's going through a mental opportunity mm. and everybody in the family comes over and everybody knows that one is having a mental opportunity, then play games that ask life's questions. Stimulate the environment at home with spiritual questions Asking, what is Atma? What if somebody dropped a million dollars on the ground and it was for a woman that was sick and dying and this was the only money needed to pay her bills? Would you keep the money or would you give it back? Ask life questions. Engage the family in things that can spiritually nourish them rather than 10 people in the family all walking knowing, you know, John Doe has a mental problem. Mm-hmm. And and that just makes it worse. And bring them involved with the family. The other thing you can do is to have time at home where you pause every hour on the hour for a mm-hmm. practice in the Brahma Kumaris called traffic control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we set our phones to ring every hour with an affirmation. So my phone goes off every hour. Mm-hmm. So let's say nine o'clock. I'm a peaceful soul. 10 o'clock, I'm a loving soul. 11 o'clock, I'm a powerful soul. So every time my clock chimes, I look at it and I remember, yes, Jen, this is who you are. And gradually, Mm -hmm. over a period of time, you will start to move away from feeling uncomfortable inside to feeling very powerful on the inside. Yeah, it's beautiful. The traffic control idea is like, wow. I think everyone should yeah. use it every hour clock chiming, yeah, reminding you. Yeah. You, yeah. you mentioned, Sister Jenna, in the book about the stages of meditation. You're talking about relaxation, concentration to contemplation, stillness, realization, meditation, incorporate, in stage, and then shift in con- consciousness. Tell me, Sister Jenna, how do we realize as we go through these stages of meditation, which stage are we in? You don't have to know what stage you're in. You know, once that's just kind of trying to explain it to the beginner meditation Mm -hmm. that might Mm -hmm. feel like they haven't reached that deeper dimension of their spiritual practice, right? Mm -hmm. So what I would suggest first and foremost, Mm -hmm. before going into the calculus level or the PhD mm. course for mm. meditation. Mm. <laughs> let's let's start with meditation 101 mm-hmm. where you must first begin feeling comfortable mm-hmm. inside to begin to just feel at ease right. when you turn your attention in the world behind your eyes. That's the first stage. And then the second stage and this is meditation 101. The second stage is to observe. Observe what thoughts are coming and going in your mind. Mm -hmm. Okay? Mm -hmm. And if you happen to have a paper next to you, you can jot them down because sometimes when you get still, things Mm -hmm. from the surface, I mean, things from down below begin to come to the surface. Yeah. Yeah. So once you can observe the thoughts then in that state, sort of look at them 
and decide if you want to feed it. There's a very well-known story here. Yeah. It's a story about the, uh, an American Indian grandmother mm -hmm. who was talking to her uh, son. And the son was being told by the Indian American grandmother, well, Native American grandmother, you're going to bump into two wolves in life. Mm. And the son asked, which one, grandma? And she said, one that is very loving and kind and humble. And another one that's very angry and critical and judgmental. Mm -hmm. And one of these wolves will walk with you in life. And the little boy said, which one, Grandma? And Grandma said, the one you feed the most. Yeah. So when you go in at that second level and watch the thoughts, you decide which wolf do you want to walk with. Mm -hmm. And then de decide right then and there, well, let me go with this thought. Let me go with, you know, the thought where I want to be with the kind wolf, the good wolf, <laughs> the, yeah. so to speak, the sweet wolf yeah. rather than the good wolf. Mm -hmm. So... That second stage is really, really important. And then the third thing, and I think this is very, very important for everyone who's listening, mm -hmm. just listen, just listen, just wait, just wait and listen. And if any thoughts emerge that are based on soul awareness, which is the purity of your life, the love of your life, the peace in your life, the wisdom and the truth in your life, that's it. That's what you need to get used to. That when you get up from your meditation and you're cooking or you're going into the car, or you're about to get on the bus or you're going to get an Uber or you're going to a pub or you're going to a little shop to get something to drink, carry the awareness of that remembrance into that action. So picking up a glass would be different than if you were in an angry state and you picked up a glass out of anger mm. versus I'm going to pick up my glass in soul awareness, you're going to change the atmosphere if you're tapping into your soul awareness. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I've been sort of ex experiencing this, but in bouts, it's not a continual, continuous thing, you know. So once you get out of the world, sometimes you lose somewhere on the way, you know, the awareness that you're carrying, you know, what do we do about that? Yeah, the influence comes in very easily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you see a nice slice of pizza, no? <laughs> or when you, see, when you see a nice dish <laughs> or something, it's just such a little thing. It's like, can you believe this, Sujita? Mm. I will make a wonderful succulent slice of pizza distract me from <laughs> knowing that I'm okay inside. <laughs> and this is how powerful influences are from outside in because yeah. the soul has become so naturally wired to interpret life from a body awareness standpoint, which is from the world of the five senses. So that's normal. That's going to happen. However, let us try to focus on, well, how many moments can I catch of divinity and virtues and power? Mm. How many moments can I tap into my superpowers and begin to use them? So I see the pizza, huh? <laughs> it looks really succulent and really good. So you know what I do? I first, I give blessings to the pizza. <laughs> I go, wonderful pizza. 
whoever baked you must have baked you with a lot of love, a lot of peace, a lot of purity. Mm. And you're about to take care of my temple. Thank you. And then I just go into the pizza. So, so the moral of that exercise, <laughs> the moral of that exercise is at least start just try. Don't wait to become a sadhu up in the Himalayas to master your Olympic, your Olympian mm. meditation technique. Mm. Just start with little steps. At least let me be mindful before I eat food with my friends. Just let me give two, three seconds of love and blessings to the food and then let me eat. And those little, little small steps, small, mm. small steps. Mm. will eventually make you a master of your mind. Mm. Beautiful. And lastly, just uh, just for people who have been doing meditation, and I think uh, a lot of lot of the listeners are or have been doing meditation, including I think uh, uh, you know uh, my collaborators Rohan and Abhijit. I just what? How do we measure the progress? How do I know that okay, I'm on the right path? Sure. Um, you measure the progress years later. Okay. And um, the way that you do that is you observe the way you deal with those same relationships that were so challenging. Somehow years later, they don't feel the same way that they used to. That's a proof that your meditation is working. Um, maybe you could be at a party and then you start to realize I'm bored talking about people and talking always about the same thing. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about something that stimulates our, our gang, our group. And then you realize, oh, I must be changing. Oh, this meditation is taking me to a higher dimension. I'm going to give you an example. What's your tallest building in India right now? The tallest building in India? Mm. Yeah, well, well, let's just say it's the Ritz, okay? Let's say the mm. Ritz-Carlton. Everybody mm. knows the Ritz-Carlton. Mm. So when you start meditation, imagine you're just at the ground level. Mm. So you're still able to smell the smells and the scents in the air. You can hear the sounds. You see a lot of people. There's a lot of movement. But, you know, you're a little bit aware, so you're okay. As you gradually implement this, the, the tips that I shared with you all on this mm -hmm. interview and in this show, mm -hmm. then imagine that practicing each of these tips, you're being upgraded to another level, to another floor. And each time you're going up to another level, you end up in the penthouse of your consciousness. Now you're in the same building, but now when you look down or you look around, it's a different interpretation. So then you realize the measure of your meditation is when maybe the same people and the same things you no longer see with the same understanding. Mm -hmm. It's changed for you. So looking at life from the ground level, fine. Go up to the penthouse and look at life from that perspective. It will completely change for you. Mm -hmm. You will not be the same person, even though you're in the same building. And that's what's fascinating. So the soul is in the same body. It's still called Suchita. Mm -hmm. She's still doing her life, but she says, it's different now. Mm -hmm. I can see you differently. Mm -hmm. You're in a marriage. You look at your husband. You see only his weaknesses and what's wrong with him. You're on the ground level. 
but deep down in your heart, you want him to be at the penthouse because you think you're at the penthouse. That's deception. If you're seeing his weaknesses, then he's going to respond with the weaknesses because the vibration will meet the vibration yes. at the same level. Mm. It's not until you start to raise your consciousness, let's say the penthouse level of existence, he might one day look up at you and go, you just feel different. I kind of like where you are. Is the view better from up there? Mm. And he just might travel with you because he knows he's bored of living at this ground level where there's nothing going on for him. Mm. or her, vice versa. I'm not blaming yeah. any guy or yes. woman here. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. It's beautiful leveling up your consciousness. Sister Jenna, thank you so much for your time. I think it was such a pleasure and so enlightening. Thank you so much. It was mine too. For me, one of the greatest takeaways has been that how meditation can help you to stay in your superpower. Ponder on that. That's it guys. Take good care of yourself and don't forget to follow us on the SOS Show Pod on Instagram and you can find me on LinkedIn.